Hello, everyone. Welcome to Word with Dave Clay. Now, I get this wonderful opportunity that probably more than less, maybe not as much, <laughs> of even you, the podcast listener, have probably had an opportunity to enjoy. <laughs> and I say that somewhat, uh, I don't know, hesitantly, if that's the right word. Uh, not everybody, <laughs> not everyone, gets this great opportunity to have what we call an intern. <laughs> and I say probably everybody, everyone more than less, but I think everyone has someone similar to an intern <laughs> in their life. And maybe it's always a present kind of tense context, uh, but certainly historically, uh, <laughs> interns are these wonderful creatures that you're given uh, who are, for the most part, uh, very inquisitive, uh, uh, well-intentioned, motivated even, uh, want to uh, be just like you. Uh, maybe not exactly like you, maybe not in those cringeworthy sort of ways that might come to mind when someone says it, as I just got through saying it, but they do want to be like you, that's why they're an intern, they hang out with you, they watch you, they listen to you, it's sort of like a teacher, uh, especially when they start to have to pay for their education. When there's a bit of a cost associated, uh, there's more value to what's stated. Uh, and interns, though they're not always compensated themselves, uh, they do, I guess in some ways, subject themselves to uh, even monetary <laughs> gains and losses. Uh, not to mention more the, failed to mention even the more intangibles. Um, Self-esteem, self-worth, identity. But all of those kind of come together because internships are necessary. <laughs> they're requiem. They're needed in order to get out <laughs> and get your degree and get out and practice. Uh, internships are a little different too than supervision. One usually encounters an intern <laughs> while they're still somewhat naive. Uh, and, to some extent, possibly even innocent. Uh, they've not been corrupted by the underbelly of all professions or industries. And that is that there's a, a lot of, again, getting back to some sort of cost, benefit sort of formula. Um, cost gain sort of ratio, uh, at some point you begin to realize that just like everything in life, it comes down to a material dimension of profiteering. <laughs> Many people who are supervising in that way or overseeing uh, an intern or an internship experience uh, might be in it for all sorts of reasons. And yes, some can make money off of interns. Uh, I still would want to believe 
even as ego might then be maybe the most likely secondary gain issue, uh, <laughs> they want to be just like me, the cringeworthy part. Uh, most would say, I would say, I believe you would say, we don't want it to be about profiteering. We don't even really want it to be about money. We want it to be about being good at whatever it is that you're overseeing them or supervising them uh, to the end that they then get a chance to go out and practice. <laughs> Do this thing. Mentoring's a lot like that. Raising kids would be a lot like that. Uh, and in some ways, I just don't know that there's any relationship that doesn't have some aspect of that, especially if you consider that most relationships are driven by attractions to people either that are like you or that you want to be like. Um, opposites do attract, but they probably don't live well together, stay together, live well together, and thus can endure a lifetime uh, without becoming alike. Psychology Today, getting to the article. Relationships and, subtitled, Sacrifice. And it is in the December 2022 edition. And it was written by, or has been written by, or is written by Mark Travers, PhD. And Mark Travers is a psychologist with degrees from Cornell University and the University of Colorado, Boulder. Again, relationship subtitled Sacrifice. Did you tear up when Rachel got off the plane for Ross? Did you swoon when Henry took Lucy on 50 consecutive first dates? We're all big fans of grand romantic gestures that come at great personal cost to our favorite fictional characters. Keyword, fictional. Reality researchers or research argues can look very different. Sacrifices that take a significant personal toll over time can spell disaster for a relationship. A study published in the Journal of Current Opinion in Psychology explains why the noble act of sacrifice may have hidden negative costs for both its giver and its receiver. According to the researchers, these costs may accumulate and cause bigger problems for the relationship in the future. It's certainly honorable to put aside one's own self-interest because of your partner or your relationship, explains Francesca Rigetti, a psychology professor Average University, Amsterdam, and I'm sure I did not pronounce that correctly, in the Netherlands, my apologies, and the lead author of the study. However, our research shows there is a difficult aftermath for both the giver and the recipient. Rigetti's research analyzed more than 80 previous studies on the topic of making sacrifices in a relationship and distilled four key points in the process. 
Willingness to sacrifice, the act of sacrifice, satisfaction with sacrifice, and last, costs of sacrifice. Being willing to make a sacrifice for a partner seemed to be associated with overall relationship well-being, Rigetti's work found. The act of sacrifice itself, however, can be an exceptionally costly pro-social behavior, according to Rigetti. For perspective, washing the dishes, while it may be an unpleasant chore, is part of the deal in a household, not exactly a personal sacrifice for the relationship. But if your partner gets a great job offer in a faraway new city, choosing to uproot your life and go with them certainly is a serious sacrifice for the relationship, as you are putting their priorities above yours in a major way. Such significant sacrifices can result in ongoing tensions and resentments in a relationship. You may be unhappy living in a new city, without friends and far from family. Though you made the sacrifice for the good of the relationship, you may not be satisfied with the result and your partner may feel uneasy about it as well. The giver experiences lower well-being after sacrificing and the recipient starts having mixed feelings about the sacrifice and the partner, explains Rigetti. On the one hand, the receiver feels grateful, loved, and accepted, but they also feel guilty and in debt. Such stressors can exact a toll on the relationship over time, particularly if sacrifices tend to go in one direction repeatedly, or if some sacrifices are not even noticed by the other partner. Sacrifice is costly because it requires you to give up your own preferences and goals, explains Rigetti. Focusing on these costs appear to be especially detrimental for the giver's well-being and for the relationship. Women in sacrifice. Another crucial finding of Rigetti's study was that women were especially likely to experience lower well-being after having sacrificed for the good of the relationship. While the reasons for this, this tendency are still being studied, Rigetti gives us this tentative explanation. We think it may be that women are expected to sacrifice more in relationships because of gender roles and that they do not receive as much appreciation and validation as men for their sacrifices, she explains. In some, they may experience the full costs but very few of the benefits. Making healthy concessions. All things considered, Rigetti warns that viewing sacrifice as an inherently negative or positive behavior is not useful because in most relationships, sacrifices are inevitable. What you can change, however, is the way you appraise the nature and necessity of a sacrifice. If you're grappling with sacrifice in your own relationship, Rigetti advises that you change your focus. If after a sacrifice you focus on what you lost, you're more likely to experience less well-being and relationship satisfaction. 
Rigetti encourages you to look at what your sacrifice achieved. This might mean focusing on how happy your partner is or on feeling proud of yourself for being such a generous person and admirable partner. Reconsider the need to sacrifice. Sometimes sacrifices are necessary to maintain a relationship, but at other times they can be avoided through contingency plans and a little bit of an adjustment or adjustment. Rigetti offers the example of one partner sacrificing her weekend plans because the other wants to spend time with his parents. In this case, sacrifice may not be necessary. It will likely not hurt the relationship if she does her own thing for the weekend, enjoying it however she likes while he spends the time with his family. Deciding not to sacrifice in a situation like this might even help the relationship as both partners are able to do what they like, free of any nagging guilt or resentment. Ultimately, Couples need to navigate these situations and decide when it is necessary for one to sacrifice and when it is possible for each to pursue their preferences independently. Sometimes the best thing you can do for your relationship is to choose to make yourself happy. Again, relationship subtitled Sacrifice and... Even more specifically, are you over-sacrificing for your relationship? Repeatedly putting your partner's priorities ahead of your own can be costly by Mark Travers, Ph.D. So considering (laughs) that we all have interns and uh, internships are necessary to some degree of accomplishment, uh, some degree of actualization of uh, (laughs) a desired skill, skill set. And when it comes to life, whether we (laughs) define it as I might within more professional context of an intern, someone else, maybe an employee, (laughs) you supervise, Uh, mentor, mentorship, uh, and maybe even a significant other. Uh, Relationship dynamic, partner, husband, wife, however you might define it to be. Now that almost sounds so one-sided that it's (laughs) cringeworthy. Even before I get into what I mean by describing those significant other relationship, partnership, marriage, however you would define it, most important of person, persons in your life, let me just say this, that even as I try to establish context or a little more context, It should go both ways. And is that not what it's about? Uh, Obviously, there must be some similarities or at least some level of likeness, uh, relatability, or the two might not even find them each other, find each other within the relationship, find themselves in a relationship 
with the other person. And to that extent, then, to be like them or to love them is to sort of love yourself. And with that, as much there are those similarities, just like with yourself, if you do love yourself, as you love them, you're going to maybe see yourself a bit differently by externalizing that, making it about something outside of yourself. And true, though the similarities probably need to outweigh the differences, diversity and creativity is also a hallmark of life. It's important that we continue to adapt, to learn and grow, to gain new skill sets, to maybe just not be bored with life. Or if perchance, worst possible scenario, you don't like you and you're looking maybe at someone else that's like you and you're still struggling, uh, failing to realize that you're not going to like them any better than you like yourself when it comes to these particular concerns, those things you do not like about yourself. And learning to love yourself, even by proxy of another, is not necessarily a bad thing. We just have to realize it's still going to require us to adapt, to learn, to grow, to change. But it could never be to the complete compromise of who you are unless it's no longer you. And even if you can say, well, I can find myself in this other individual. And I do believe that's true. Maybe the one of the most adaptive dimensions of relationship, those type of significant other relationships or relationship, your person <laughs> relationship, is that over time you do find yourself in the other. And over time, you do, if it endures, and it's successful, and you don't drive each other crazy, and you don't harm each other, or it's not implicitly other destructive as much as it might be self-destructive, or self-destructive as it might be directed toward destroying the other, which unfortunately, it's a toss-up. I still think statistically about half of all relationships, especially as we might generalize it in the way I'm doing it right now, broaden it, they don't succeed. People quit. They give up. They leave. They self-destruct or they destroy the other person. It becomes so intolerable, they can't stay together, which suggests they're not adapting. They're not learning. They're not growing. It's not creativity. Oddly enough, when you leave that relationship, though, lest you become celibate, <laughs> and I'm speaking of that not only in physical but also emotional terms, uh, you swear off those significant other relationships, you're going to continue the process, but you're going to do it with someone else. 
And when it hits those key points of where you're dealing with those really, really stubborn parts of yourself that you're still trying to figure out how to love, and now they're becoming evident in your partner, or your partner is, unfortunately, to your great disappointment, not able to overcome those for you. Uh, they may love you. They may even offer you an alternative way of looking at yourself where you could possibly see a different route to loving yourself. They could and should even participate in helping or assisting as they might see it, then reciprocally so, ultimately so, their turn is going to come up, benefiting them. If you don't work on you, if you don't know how to be satisfied with yourself, if you don't know how to love yourself in those dimensions, even within the context of the article on today's podcast, if you don't understand that sacrifice is as much something you do with yourself for the sake of negotiating a loving relationship with yourself as you do it with others. If you can't define what your sacrifice is going to be from that best of places in terms of self, and you're depending on the other person to somehow thank you for it, validate it, make it seem or appear to be worthy of the costs that are associated, you're going to be greatly disappointed. Because even if they do, if you can't receive it in the right sort of way, if it's still sort of you trying to figure out how to love yourself in some unconditional manner, a sacrificial manner, they're not going to convince you. You're not going to be... A good supervisor, you're not going to be a good overseer of internships. Uh, you're going to see the trap <laughs> before you get there by recognizing that the trap is in you. <laughs> Don't set one up for the intern, the supervisee, the mentorship, the mentor, the one that receives the mentoring. Or you're going to end up harming them. You're just going to affirm all those things that in their innocence and naivete and <laughs> their investment and their desire, they want to be just like you, maybe even find a better them in you or in the relationship with you, learn all of those really important things about doing whatever it is you're teaching them to do or exampling or role-playing or modeling, however you would see your role in that or define, come to describe your role in that, whatever words you would use. A lot of good people and a lot of good relationships. Good in the sense of innocence. Good in the sense of still motivation to desire. Good in the sense of not wanting to profiteer. Good in the sense of not trying to make it selfish 
are all about self. Although, once again, profiteering, I don't think you can have a relationship, period. That doesn't have the risk of that because you can't have a relationship, period, without some degree of selfishness. We should not play to the satisfaction of others. We should just realize as we're loving others, we need to play to our own personal satisfaction. And that's selfish, but it's selfish in the best of ways because it avoids me exploiting a relationship even if I don't intend to. And again, I would hope that this would elevate all of our awareness, regardless of what the relationship is, to realize if you're not paying attention, and if you're starting to get that angst, and you're starting to sort of disdain the differences, the diversity in the relationship, if you're starting to question whether you've made ultimately the bad choice in the partner, you may actually have hit the place you need to look inside and say, oh, this is the bell going off, the buzzer going off, as they used to say, the flag, the red flag being hoisted or raised to tell me I need to check me first because it's likely whatever I'm stumbling over in them is what I'm really falling and tripping over or have historically never gotten past, always not only tripped and fell, but failed, maybe got up, but failed to move forward, retreated. And now's the time. Implicit in this is an opportunity to understand why I'm doing this in the first place. Why did I pick this other person? Why am I willing to sacrifice energy, resource, <laughs> monetarily, as we started the podcast, but maybe even as much? <laughs> I would want to say more so. But there's a material dimension to everything transactionally in life, and so it's important. But for maybe a more noble sort of perspective or aspiration, I'm laying my love on the line here. I'm actually in sacrifice, not only offering parts of myself to another person, but I might actually have to die to some parts of myself, but not at their expense. It's at mine, <laughs> and it's in me. But it's part of growing, it's part of developing, it's part of maturing, it's part of adapting, it's part of loving. <laughs> and once again, transactional is not always, maybe it is, equal to conditional. And there's always a conditional, transactional, profiteering, selfish sort of dimension to any relationship. If you don't get something in return materially from it, it's going to be hard to sustain it and die physically for another person. But most of the sacrifices we make, <laughs> that are transactional, they're much easier to do 
to commit to, as we've committed to them to complete those commitments, fulfill those commitments, follow through on those commitments, those promises made, if we realize we're loving ourselves, but if we're actually feeling like we're hating that other person and that other person in similarity wants to be like us and we want to be like them and we really are aspiring to a similar place of actualization, Maybe competency is a good word. Completion, perfection, fulfillment, whatever might be that highest order of human operations and existence, status, state, emotional, physical, spiritual. To kill them is is not the answer. Recognizing what they're bringing out of us, that's the answer. But if you start with that, raise your awareness, insight, call your attention to this, you start to get that feeling. It's not about them. It's about you. (laughs) Figure out what's going on in you. And then rightly appraise. Is this a willing sacrifice? Can I make it one? (laughs) Can I find the right motive and reason? Is it challenging me to grow, to develop? Is it maybe, as I've tried to put it on the podcast today, is it a matter of loving me better? Now, that sounds cringeworthy if I didn't say everything that I've said up to this point. But having said everything I've said up to this point, then that makes a lot of common sense. You need to love you and make this about you, but it needs to be about you in the right dimension and way, lest you go around killing everyone, lest you go around blaming everyone else for all of your problems. Now, for me, you should feel guilty if you're doing it the wrong way out of the wrong motive. And maybe, again, for the sake of just simplicity, anything that starts and ends transactionally is going to have that risk. That's why interns don't get paid and people who supervise them, otherwise oversee them, probably shouldn't get paid either. Lest there even be maybe the slightest of risks that this is all about profiteering. Gaining something. And it's not only money. It can be ego. So how do you check your ego? You may not get a paycheck, so to speak. But you need to do what we're doing on the podcast. You need to look inside yourself. You need to understand what your dynamics are, what your motives are, what your identity is, what you're looking for, what this relationship is all about. And elevate it if it is more than transactional. And not all relationships are more than transactional. And some probably are a hybrid. There's a lot of transactional dimension. Again, conditional element. But at times, you can be altruistic. (laughs) 
<laughs> it won't kill you. Actually, if anything, you'll be more adaptive for it. I don't know that I'm asking anybody to, to throw themselves on a grenade or take a bullet, as they used to say, for someone else or to die for someone else, if you don't like those euphemisms. But I am saying most of us aren't required to. And should we, and we do it out of the right spirit, as we're talking about today, maybe those are the true heroes. Because they've got nothing to gain, transactionally, or even in this highest order of psychological, and maybe, as I mentioned earlier, spiritual sort of considerations. I'm not asking anybody to die for someone else. I'm just saying, as you grow more alike, as you come toward that centrist sort of position or place, then it becomes still the same issue. <laughs> it's just done in the right order. Don't make it about you first and then expect to get to the middle. It'll either be a dominant, submissive type of relationship a subordinate kind of dimension to someone who otherwise is superior <laughs> and everything will be then measured as an act of insubordination. It will be the ultimate of conflicts and wars. And ultimately, it will destroy the relationship if it goes that way if it's only transactional. And with great casualty, it does nothing but harm more the person, the persons that make up that relationship. There's no win in that. <laughs> and if anything, the next victim <laughs> who gets you next, and it could be reciprocal because if you're coming out of a bad relationship or you've got multiple bad relationships and you've never ever learned this lesson it's about you more than it is about them it's about how you are seeing how you are framing not only the sacrifice but where the win is if you don't see this as an opportunity again to grow to develop, you're going to exploit the other person and that other individual who's had very similar histories. History to yours. You have very similar histories. They're going to bring all of their, as we love to call it, baggage into the relationship as well. And that just creates, once again, casualty. When we look at it in this sort of other-directed way to look to that other person to validate us, there's no way that they can, especially if they're truly much like us, and even if there's truly all sorts of opportunity to learn and grow together in the way I've intimated or insinuated or implied on the podcast today. Don't expect them to do much better than you except that the two of you would understand what this is about. When you make that promise, 
to love the other person, you're really saying you make the promise not to throw them under the bus, to blame them for everything. You make the promise to work on yourself. You make the promise of not being other-directed, but as we also like to, and as I say this, it'll be the most obvious of reasons, we call it inner-directed. You need to work on you. And when you see it that way, and you can maintain that perspective, that allows for the perfect culture of growth. There's challenge, there's similarity, there's likeness, there's still diversity and possibly even some conflict. But if we're aspiring to really be like the other person or the other person be like us, but as we, as we say it that way, it would not be so one-dimensional as to make one one way and the other the other way and then risk all of this negative that I've been speaking of. We're going to have to become more alike, if not similar, if not one and the same, in this way. <laughs> in this paradigm that I'm offering. Now, I'm sure if you act, asked Mark Travers, Ph.D., if this is what he had in mind when he wrote the article, I don't know. Maybe he did. I doubt it. Uh, but this is what the article brought to my mind. But I believe I'm saying the same thing he is. Um, I'm offering a theory as to why... The, this research that he reported upon produced the data that it did. Right down to feeling guilty. You feel guilty because you're not doing what you say you want the other person to do. That makes you, in that way, forgive me, a hypocrite. If you can't give it, why should you demand it from others and you can say, well, because I've never had... Well, what makes you think they've had it if you've never had it? Or what makes you think anybody's had that if they're still looking for somebody else to do that for them? True, <laughs> truly, there is probably a time and place in everyone's life where it has to be other-directed. That's when you're really small and you really don't have much capacity in physical stature, developmental kind of terms, physical terms. But as you mature and you grow, not only physically, to some level of capability so that you should be able to do those things for yourself or as well as, generally speaking, anyone else. And with that, some psychological capacity to comprehend with insight, awareness, just this very thing I'm speaking of today, these terms being unconditional love terms. But if you go around saying, I love you unconditionally, I love you and accept you for who you are, but you can't really practice that within yourself because what that really is code for is you've never grown up. You're still looking for somebody else to fix you. You've never claimed your own 
agency, autonomy, mastery, self-esteem. <laughs> Knowing how to love yourself, to grow individually, that's a selfish pursuit. But relationships are two individuals that come together as one, not only with intention, but because intention to allow this to happen in the most organic or natural terms. And it will, with time, you will become one. But lest you kill yourselves and each other, or kill the other and kill yourself, and the relationship before you, your time is, your season is full to bear that fruit, uh, you're not going to make it. And you can go from one relationship to another, to another, to another, but you'll still get to the same point. This is about you. And you probably are not going to be a good overseer. You're probably not going to be a good mentor. You're probably not going to be a good supervisor. You're probably not going to be a good boss. Um, because you're going to see everything transactionally and maybe all of those relationships again are going to have transactional dimensions. Some are more, some are less as I described earlier. Some are going to be hybrid. But why would we not want to in the truest and the best of spirits especially when it's something as noble as... <laughs> Me supervising a person's internship or me being, as I would define it, a husband to my wife or a wife to their husband, a boyfriend to a girlfriend, and should you want to define it a little differently, it doesn't matter what you call it. When two people come together in that way, they have to be individuals, but no one's superior. We get past that. We get past, again, the ego, the profiteering, the exploiting, just so we feel good. No, that's not how you need to feel good. You don't need to feel good at the expense of another. You need to feel good if you're going there's going to be an expense and there will be any change to demands or dictates you lose something. That's just part of growing and I say change but change in a positive direction. Doesn't have to be negative. Or taking loss which is cost which is again why it's risky but turning it into a gain is you have to see it this way. But when you see it this way, then dying to yourself in these terms, that's the only way for you to grow and to gain and adapt. And it's the only way for that person you say that you love, that you say that you may say that you love unconditionally, that you've committed your life to, for them to grow. It does have to be both ways. There's even some degree of transaction or reciprocity in that. But it's a paradigm. But I am really confident, if I, if I can put it that way, that if you begin with this premise in mind, this highest order of thought, to, to love others as you love yourself, then it's going to work. And it not only will work, 
thought it will work really, really good. Now, when people come see me, <laughs> I can't adopt a better-than-them attitude about any of thing or any of things like this. Because why do I say that or why do I interject the psychological counseling and the role of a, a psychological counselor into a conversation like this? Because though I don't love you in the terms of being your significant other, and maybe beyond that, that I'm there to mentor you or supervise to some degree or in some ways then oversee. If there's an internship, I not only need to do the best I can to model the best, paradigm first, but then also interpersonally to demonstrate that in our interaction so that when I then tell you to do these things, I'm not going to feel that guilt of being a hypocrite and then trying to justify it by saying, well, that's why you come see me because you really can't do this. And I may even be somewhat, I guess, gracious in saying benevolent and saying, well... I'm sure you'll get there. No, you're already there. I should be, <laughs> if we look at it highest order, and even if as a person I've got flaws, at least what I represent in personage when you come in as a counselor, psychological counselor, a psychologist, a social worker, that's who you should get, and that's why we do all the things that we do. But I do it with integrity. I don't do it simply because it's ethical to do that. Or I'm under threat that I'm going to somehow be punished if I don't. I don't want to exploit you and take advantage of you. I don't want to harm you. But that is why possibly seeing someone such as myself is one of the safest places, should be the safest place that you can go to receive this. Because it's a paradigm. But it's a paradigm not only professionally, it's a paradigm personally. And what's wrong with me having integrity? If I'm going to do it on a personal, a professional level, why wouldn't I do it personally? And if I'm going to do it personally, then why wouldn't I do it professionally? And though there's always going to be some exchange transaction, it's a service that there is a fee that's attached to it, I still don't want the fee <laughs> and or me being in a position to stroke my ego or to make me feel like I'm somehow in this cringeworthy sort of manner as I'm saying it. I'm really just exploiting you to make me feel good, to cover up my guilt for not loving myself, for not doing this with integrity, for not doing it the right way. But the good news, if you would take it this way, for the sake of the podcast and I guess just for what I do for a living in life, uh, I surely want to share the news with you at no expense or additional cost to you if you can take it and employ it in your marriage. It'll work just as well there as it does in the therapy office. It's just harder to implement. Uh, it's harder to see. 
the objectivity isn't there, the perspective isn't there, because if you've been together at least long enough to start to become one, it's like trying to look at yourself. It's very difficult to look at yourself without all these traps. I mentioned trap, falling into the trap earlier. This is falling into the trap. I will not fall into the trap. And should I? If there's anything that comes along that starts to bring a feeling out of me. I'm not falling in, but I know where it is. I'm going to avoid it. I'm not going to go there because it's a pitfall. That's why they call it a pitfall because it's attached to a pit. That's not why I'm there. But if you could adopt a bit more of this paradigm in your marriage in your significant other relationship, in any of those relationships in life, even the hybrids, you'll do much better, not only for yourself, and it's okay to be selfish in this way, as we said moments ago, but you'll be better for the other person, and you'll be better for us all. (laughs) What's wrong with that? Relationship, sacrifice, psychology today, December of 2022. The article. Are you over-sacrificing for your relationship? Repeatedly putting your partner's priorities ahead of your own can be costly by Mark Travers, Ph.D. You are if it's all about them validating you. And with that, expecting something for your sacrifice because then it becomes conditional. And conditional love, though it's better than hatred, I suppose. Reciprocity is better than just going and and abusing one or stealing from one or somehow forcing one to do your will. It's not a lot better If the end of the best would be unconditional love, that's the only way to love someone unconditionally. Is when you do it out of what you have, not out of what you're going to get. That's why I do the podcast again. So you can't say that I'm entirely profiteering off of you. And for the sake of the numbers, (laughs) the people who may or may not listen to the podcast... I'm not Joe Rogan, so I don't have any commercial sponsorships, but I'm not sure I want any. And I certainly don't get a lot of fame from this. I just believe that there's you and that there's a reason you have caught the podcast and that I've got something that I might share with you uh, that doesn't necessarily require anything more than me just being a good overseer or supervisor of your internship. Uh, And that may sound a bit degrading and again cringeworthy and I don't know that you want to be like me. But I just want you to be the best that we all can be and we try to identify that on the podcast. If you do appreciate that motive, (laughs) at least believe me when I testify to it, I'd like to invite you back to our next edition of Word with Dave Clay. And until we get a chance, you get a chance, we get a chance to have a conversation again such as this, I want to wish you in all ways, not only the best of health, but especially good mental health.